Kia ora, I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail... It's an ugly word for an ugly phenomenon. Greedflation is the new buzzword in economics. We all know about inflation. Official food prices saw their biggest annual increase in more than 30 years. A whole lot of things gone up. Petrol, and the food, and the rent. There's always something that's, that's more expensive than it was a couple of weeks ago. We're told the soaring bills for groceries, building materials and transport are down to too much money chasing too few goods caused by these extraordinary events. A pandemic, a breakdown in the supply chain and a war. The Reserve Bank responds by hiking the official cash rate again and again and again to try to control inflation. The banks pass that on in the form of painful mortgage rate rises. And we're in for another hit today. Changing economic and financial conditions have changed the odds for this week's Reserve Bank monetary statement. We have come down on the side of a 50 basis point hike out of the view that and the Reserve Bank will just want to get on top of things. But what if corporates are using the inflation excuse to jack up prices even when their costs have stayed the same or even fallen? And what if, as a result, they're raking in big profits, which in turn push up inflation? Well, that's what they call greedflation. And if it is a thing in New Zealand, will the Reserve Bank do anything about it? Here's interest.co.nz's Gareth Vaughan. Greedflation is the idea that corporate profit expansion is contributing to high inflation. And this has moved from a fringe view to the mainstream in Europe and the US over probably the last year or so. Now let's give a very warm welcome to Greedflation, it seems, because no less a body than the Daily Telegraph, remember, often referred to as a Tory graph, this morning took big business to task for seemingly picking our pockets while blaming the evils of inflation. And there's a debate going on about it in Australia. Major Australian companies have been reporting massive profits and they're having a big impact on inflation. Airlines, supermarkets, banks, energy companies have all been raking it in but it hasn't really gained a lot of traction in New Zealand so far. There's a German economist at the University of Massachusetts called Isabella Weber who's been at the forefront of raising the profile of this, what's known as profit-driven inflation, which is now featuring in, in serious financial news media such as the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times and Bloomberg and being taken seriously by at least some central bankers. It's something of a challenge to the orthodox economist's view that, you know, of sort of too many dollars chasing too few goods and suggests that micro as well as macroeconomic factors are causing inflation. Now, another high-profile promoter of the idea is the UK-based chief economist at UBS, which is one of the biggest banks in the world. Called, he's called Paul Donovan. And he argues that profit margin-led inflation, as he puts it, is the third wave of inflation experienced in so-called developed country economies since the COVID-19 pandemic. In certain sectors companies expanding their profit margin, telling customers, look, we've got to pass on these price increases, but they're not passing on the price increase. They're pricing on the price increase and a bit more. But the idea really is that companies are able to put up their prices, perhaps by more than they need to, and expand their profit margins 
by saying, hey, look, look at all these problems in the world. It's, you know, pushing up our prices. We're having to pay our staff more. It's costing us more to, you know, to, to get our, our supplies that we need, our inputs that we need to make our products. So this is all causing our inflation. But the, the, the thing is, that, you know, under cover of actual inflation, mm. are they pushing their prices up by more than they need to and hitting the consumer in the pocket? Tell me about your, your coffee shop and going to buy coffee. What was your experience there? Yeah, so look, I think this is an interesting one. And, and we often, we think about the big corporates. And obviously in New Zealand, you know, we've had these Commerce Commission market studies on our supermarkets, on fuel retailing, residential building supplies, to name three. But even, yeah, with small businesses, I mean, it, it, it really interested me because there's a cafe next to, to my office where I always went and, and bought a coffee, my sort of mid-afternoon pick-me-up. And they put the, the price up by 50 cents from $5 to $5.50 earlier this year. And they provided no explanation for, for doing that. So that's a 10% price rise. And that's like, well, okay, I'm sure their, their costs have gone up. Have they gone up that much? I don't know. Maybe only one or two people at that small retailing business know. Mm. So I tried out uh, another cafe a couple of doors down and I could still get the same takeout coffee for $5. Then a few weeks later, their one went up to $5.50 as well. Again, no explanation. So... Inflation begets inflation. When people are, are expecting price rises, they're more also more accepting of them. We, we just think, well, yeah, look, we've seen the crazy stuff going on around the world with the pandemic, with the war in Ukraine. And now, obviously, the last few months here in, in New Zealand, we've had a lot of extreme weather. We've had floods. We've had cyclones. And this has, of course, hit fruit and vegetables. And so we're expecting price rises there. People's homes have been damaged or ruined and a lot of infrastructure roads around the country. And we're being told constantly that rebuilding all this will be inflationary. So we are expecting inflation. Therefore, perhaps we're more accepting Mm. of price rises than we otherwise might be. We hear a lot about the banks too, don't we? And I think recently there's been a a string of um, profit announcements from the banks. ANZ, the country's biggest bank, has posted another billion-dollar profit. ASB Bank has posted another record half-year profit. It's understood the Australian-owned banks make more than $16 million in profit every day. Somehow we have to pay more for our mortgages and from that the banks seem to make more money. And I have heard the, the excuse, well, well, they need to shore up their funds, you know, in these, these tough times because there could be more insolvencies, there could be more bad debts. I think people are sick of hearing that, actually. What we have seen is we have seen net interest margins, which is the, the difference between the income generated from credit products like loans and payments made to deposit savers and other others that the bank borrows from. We've seen these rise significantly. And one of the interesting things is um, last year I was listening into um, a conference call that the CEO of the ANZ Banking Group, Shane Elliott, did to analysts. And he said that you know ANZ is the biggest bank in New Zealand and doesn't have to offer the best deposit rates, so it doesn't. So, I mean, that's a really great example of market power. You know? yeah. We're the big fish in that market. We don't have to offer the best rate, so we don't. Um, and that, I think, is really fascinating. More recently, in a similar analyst conference just last month, he said that in this rising interest rate environment that is being experienced all around the world, the Australian market is more competitive than New Zealand at the moment. He's the CEO of the parent of the biggest bank in this country. So you, you do start to think, well, yeah, there's a bit of market power going on here. And yeah, look, no one wants 
banks that are going broke. You know, no. profitable banks are good banks, but there's a level of profitability that sometimes they get to where you have to question, um, hang on a minute, you know, your customers are doing it tough. You're putting mortgage rates up on their loans and yet you are coming out with these really strong net interest margins yourself. Are they a classic case of greedflation? It's an interesting one and, you know, we are seeing, as I said, big net interest margin increases. I mean, ANZ, for example, in their recent interim financial results, net interest margin was up 34 basis points year on year to 2.67%. It's a pretty big rise. Um, You know, there's a lot at play going on here. So, um, yes, our, our borrowers' mortgage rates are going up, so obviously that benefits the bank, but also deposit rates on that they pay to savers have been increasing, although you know, Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr has called out the banks and said you, you should be increasing them faster. What about the other listed companies? Oh, look, I think there are other examples around the place. I mean, obviously the supermarkets, the duopoly there, and obviously your food prices up. 12.5% in the year to April, which is the highest annual increase we've seen since 1987. Now, you know, the, the, the supermarkets will tell you that, that what suppliers charge them is rising about 10% as well. So they'll tell you, well, you know, it's not really all us. Um, but, you know, the Commerce Commission did do its market study. They estimated that supermarkets are making a million dollars a day in excess profits. Now, the, the supermarkets will say that's not so, but look, I mean, it's been a very lucrative business to be in in New Zealand um, in recent years. And again, if you look back at the COVID period, I mean, you remember supermarkets were allowed to stay open when a lot of other retailers weren't. And another example, actually, of a, of a big company that I think is a really interesting one to look at is Air New Zealand. Now, of course, Air New Zealand on domestic travel, domestic flights, has serious clout, serious market power. And the recent Consumers Price Index data from Statistics New Zealand showed domestic airfares were up 54% year on year. So, of course, Air New Zealand's another company that during 2020-2021 benefited from a lot of public money to keep it, keep it afloat effectively mm. when international travel just wasn't a thing. So they're now doing really well. They've upgraded their annual earnings expectations to as much as $560 million this year. And these, these um, domestic airfares have gone up against a backdrop over the last year of significant fall in the price of their key expense jet fuel, which obviously you know, surged after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but has subsequently fallen back. So you kind of look at that and you think, well, that's quite interesting. That's a big increase in airfares. Yeah. How can they justify it? Well, I think that's a very good question. And I haven't seen much that's really been justifying that. They've talked about their expenses going up and buying new aircraft. We can't run a charity. If we run a charity, I can't spend three and a half billion dollars to update either the 14 wide-bodied aircraft we've got or replace the 777s in times. But you've got to wonder if maybe there isn't a little bit of, of profit margin inflation going on there. You and I know that a business that is not consistently delivering profits is not a proper business. I think from as a starting point, I, I would really like to see the Commerce Commission enabled to look a lot more closely at prices. And when I see that example of that domestic airfare increase, that really should be justified. Why are prices going up that much? Um, and if people can't justify such significant price increases, then is, is the Commerce Commission able to roll them back? 
The idea of using interest rate to tackle inflation is a very roundabout way of going about it. It's a bit like as if you had a fire in your kitchen and you were going to flood your whole house. That's Professor Isabella Weber, an expert in profit-driven inflation. So therefore, I think, given the nature of the inflation that um, we have been observing, it would be better to choose more targeted measures rather than to simply rely on interest rate hikes. So will we hear any mention of greedflation, or at least the links between profit and inflation, at the Reserve Bank's announcement today? So interestingly, here in New Zealand, Reserve Bank's chief economist Paul Conway has said that we don't have great data on profits. He says, I think it's a real blind spot in how we measure our economy. Um, But that's the trouble, isn't it? How, How do you measure it? You need to sort of look at the RBNZ and say, well, hang on a minute, Worrying about a wage price spiral, is that really the the only thing you should be doing? They'll probably get asked about it in the press conference. Interesting. Um, and I think it would be good just to get a few more comments out of them because they have a mandate to watch inflation and fight inflation. And if this is a contributing factor and they're not looking at it, then they really ought to be. Why wouldn't they be looking at it? Because it kind of seems obvious. I, I think because it's it's outside of their traditional inflation-fighting models. It's not something they've, you know, they have their very set models and they look at those models and if the model's telling them this is happening or that's happening, then they react with their OCR. Mm. Um, it just feels so unfair at the moment, doesn't it? I, I think, the, I mean, the danger, I think, is that it's an outdated approach. Um, and look, I mean, the, the whole process is still working its way through. I mean, the, the inflation fight is, we're still in the middle of it. So um, we think it might have peaked, but we don't really know yet. Um, so we won't know for months or even another year or two as to how successful their fight against inflation has been. Um, but I think you've always got to be questioning whether you're using the right tools and whether there's other things you could be doing. Do you believe in greedflation? No, I think I'm a bit of a sceptic on the idea of greedflation, Sharon. Not everybody buys the greedflation argument including Michael Cameron, Professor of Economics at University of Waikato. I don't think that anybody who is promoting the idea of greedflation has given us a really good idea of what it is that they are referring to. I mean, is it any time that someone's raising a price that might be greedflation? It seems to be a case of, you know, I know it when I see it, rather than having a very good definition of what it is. The banks, for example, they're making record profits and our interest rates are continuing to rise, is that justifiable? Well, I think when you look at the interest rates that the banks are charging, um, for the most part, it just follows the official cash rate that the uh, Reserve Bank is, uh, is imposing. Is it? So there's no room for them to be more competitive? Well, there's a little bit of room for them to, to make adjustments alongside that, but they are competing with each other, of course. And so if one of them is charging a higher rate substantially than the others, then the other banks will simply come and undercut them. What about airlines? I mean, they're charging a heck of a lot more now, and yet their fuel prices aren't as high as they used to be. Yeah, Air New Zealand is a good example. But there's something else going on there as well. 
they haven't had a lot of competition. So as we were coming out of the pandemic, uh, Jetstar had pretty much wound down. Air New Zealand didn't have a lot of competition, and we'd expect higher prices when there's less competition. I'm, I'm not convinced that they're trying to hide behind some sort of smokescreen of inflation, but really there's a, there's a real competition issue there. The thing is, though, we're talking about domestically, and Air New Zealand and Jetstar are the only ones in the market, and sometimes it's just Air New Zealand. It's been that way for a long time, and yet the airfares pre-COVID weren't, ne- or even sometimes during COVID, when they were allowed to fly, were nothing near what they are at the moment. Yeah, I accept that, and their costs have gone up, but their costs have not gone up enough to justify the the price increases. But competition has gone down at the same time. I mean, they're not flying as often. Um, and so there's simply not as much there's not as much competition in the market for fares. So it is about lack of competition rather than them needing to cover higher costs. Yeah, in my view, that's that's what's going on. That's profiting, isn't it? It is profiting, but I'm not sure that it's profiting because of inflation. It's profiting because of the the lack of competition. But but by profiting, they're actually helping drive up inflation. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> So that's greedflation, isn't it? I guess it would depend on what your definition of greedflation is. And yeah. as you said, that, that is the problem. There's no data looking at profits or comparing profits. So would that be a start? Yeah, it would be difficult to, to derive those sorts of measures. Uh, we would need to know uh, to what extent a business's costs going up and to what extent are those increases in costs being... Uh, uh, leading to an increase in prices as well. We know that supermarkets are making a lot of money out of higher prices. Yeah, but again, it's, a, it's competition, right? There is a lack of competition. I mean, that's what the, the Commerce Commission's uh, review said. So everything is a lack of competition, you think? Every, every time there is a, a significant price rise, when it involves a, a big big business, it's it's due to lack of competition? Oftentimes it is. Do you not buy what the economists and others are saying in Europe and the US? It's being taken a lot more seriously there and even in Australia. Yeah, I think there's a there's a real difference between um, the US or, or Europe from New Zealand. And, and oftentimes we do um, take the arguments that are being made overseas and, and think that they might apply to New Zealand. But we are a small market. It's very easy for us, uh, for our market, to be dominated by a few uh, large players. Uh, And we see that uh, in uh, domestic air travel. We see that in supermarkets. The examples that you've given are ones where we suffer from a lack of competition. What's different over there, though? Far more competition. Uh, If you look at uh, air travel within the US, you don't just have two players, you have many. Um, Similarly similarly for supermarkets, many more players. And and that's enough to drive enough competition that that you don't see the same problems over there or or, um, you see different problems over there than what you see here. But that is the thing, though, Michael. I mean, you know, I was listening to a podcast from The Guardian uh, talking about greedflation in the UK, and they're talking about the the huge rise in grocery bills. Well, they've got plenty of competition there, and they're saying that these supermarket 
companies are making huge profits. So even though there's a competition, they're still making big profits. Yeah, it makes a good soundbite. <laughs> but, <laughs> but again, it comes back to the point that you made earlier. We don't really have a, we don't really have good measures. And so while we can we can make claims about these things, it's not clear to me that these firms are really hiding behind a veil of inflation and trying to hide price rises behind that. Um, firms are, are trying to um, execute on a very delicate balancing act when they're pricing. Uh, they're trying to uh, ensure that their price is high enough to maintain profitability, but at the same time, uh, they can't raise prices without end. Because uh, if they were to do so, then their customers go elsewhere. But take the construction industry, where prices have risen hugely over recent years. Is that all due to inflation caused by, say, the supply chain, by rising fuel costs, by rising wage costs? There's a fair amount of it that is driven by uh, rising costs. Um, but again, I mean, construction in New Zealand, residential construction in particular, um, there's a real lack of competition there. Yeah, but I mean, at the moment, because there is so much demand, isn't it a case where they can just about charge what they want and people will accept it? To some extent, yes. But there are still limits. Uh, they can't simply raise prices without limit. Do we just have to accept that, We've got inflation. The Reserve Bank is probably going to put up the official cash rate, which means that the banks are probably going to raise their interest rates again, and there's nothing else that can be done about it. We are limited in the sorts of things that we can do to try and address prices. Price controls sound like a really attractive option, but we know that they have really pernicious effects. Yeah, I think... Unfortunately, it's, it's difficult not to be a little bit fatalistic. Um, we do kind of have to ride this out. We get, we're going to feel some pain yeah. as the, as the Reserve Bank uh, raises interest rates. People with mortgages are going to face some pain. Uh, it's going to be passed on to people who are renting as well with higher rents. Um, yeah, we are going to face some pains as we try to uh, lower inflation. Price caps or price controls, what's wrong with them? So price controls uh, have a real problem in the sense that uh, when you set a price control in place, it doesn't allow the market to adjust. Um, we know uh, from decades of experience when price controls are in place, one of the things that we get are shortages. Um, so uh, many people will have seen pictures uh, in recent times of uh, empty supermarket shelves in Venezuela where price controls were in place or when we had price controls in New Zealand, even uh, long queues for petrol. Can the Reserve Bank do any more? I think the Reserve Bank's doing plenty right now. Uh, if the Reserve Bank was to do more, the way they would do more would be to raise uh, the official cash rate even, even higher and hurt us even more. Now, if you think you're being ripped off, Gareth Vaughan reckons social media is the place to go, as happened in Israel when cottage cheese prices went crazy. And there were these big, you know, Twitter campaigns and they managed to get the, the price reduced. So, you know, companies are very uh, nervous about their reputations these days. So you can, you know, go at them on social media and say, hey, look, why are you increasing your price so much? Another thing I think that these companies need to be thinking about as well is that if they are um, pushing through uh, profit margin-led inflation, 
that is contributing to the high inflation that we are experiencing, they, they risk contributing to the Reserve Bank continuing to increase interest rates, thus you know, pushing the economy potentially towards a recession and higher unemployment, and ultimately that won't be good for their business. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by Phil Benge. Our producers are Sarah Robson and Bonnie Harrison. And thanks to Gareth Vaughan and Michael Cameron. Kakite. Ka